Hello, and welcome to the latest podcast from the Pensions Practice at Herbert Smith Freehills. I'm Francesca Falsini, and today I'll be chatting to Tim Smith, Professional Support Lawyer at Herbert Smith Freehills, and John Cormell, Actuary and Head of GMP Equalisation at Barnet Waddingham. In this podcast, we are going to be discussing GMP conversion and the merits of using this to equalise GMPs. So Tim, what is GMP conversion? So GMP conversion, it's a a statutory process uh, that was actually introduced some time ago, um, originally for the purpose of enabling schemes to simplify their benefit structure by no longer being subject to the GMP rules set out in the legislation. However, schemes are now seeing it as a potential option for implementing GMP equalisation, which they've been required to do since the Lloyd's judgment in October 2018. In that judgment, the the judge actually considered a number of different ways in which equalisation could be uh, achieved, and conversion was one of those, and the judge confirmed that GMP conversion, the legislation, can be used in order to implement equalisation. The main advantage of using conversion over the other methods that the court considered are that the other methods involve a kind of year-on-year assessment of whether male or female members have the, the higher pension. Um, and so there's a kind of ongoing administration uh, issue for schemes, whereas conversion would be a one-off exercise and equalisation would be achieved as part of that. So it, it, it offers both the chance for simplification but also achieving equalisation both at the same time. So Tim just mentioned that GMP conversion can also be used to simplify benefits. How far can trustees go in doing this? Well, there's quite a lot of scope for change. You can change both GMP and the non-GMP pension under the legislation, which might strike you as surprising given we're talking about GMP conversion and equalisation, but the legislation is very clear you can also convert to the non-GMP. And the particular wording is you can change the non-GMP to the extent that it is necessary or desirable as a consequence of or to facilitate the GMP conversion. This seems quite broad, but you'll want help from your lawyers to interpret what exactly this means. And I'd encourage schemes to think about what they would like to do and then work backwards from, from there to meet the various requirements. It's not just complying with the legislation, it's an opportunity to redesign and improve your pension scheme. So what do trustees need to think about if they're considering converting GMPs? So I think the starting point is conversion is a spectrum, so what are you trying to achieve? Trustees should be engaging with their employer, and of course you need employer consent to do conversion, and together trustees and an employer and their advisors should be thinking about how conversion would work best for their particular scheme. There's no one solution. Part of that they'll be wanting to think about the impact on members, They'll be wanting to think about costs, be it administrative costs in the future or the costs of actually doing the exercise, but longer term, what's the impact on buyout if they change the benefit structure in a certain way, how are insurance companies going to react to that? So that could be a little bit further down the line. One of the more immediate things for trustees to think about is getting their data ready. And and that's important and hopefully off the back of rectification and reconciliation, they're already on that path. A couple of other snags that that need to be dealt with. So one is tax issues. What are the tax implications of their particular solution for GMP conversion? And then the other one they need to consider is the government consultation on RPI changing to CPIH. And the reason this is a a snag is if you're favoured 
conversion solution involves inflation-linked benefits, then you need to know what RPI and CPI are in order to set those conversion terms. So if that's the case in your scheme, then you probably ought to wait until you have a bit more certainty before proceeding with these projects in earnest. I think what the uh, kind of list John's just gone through there as well illustrates is there's a number of overlapping issues that trustees need to think about, looking both from a kind of an actuarial, legal and administrative uh, angle. So I think another point for trustees is that they need to engage uh, with their scheme actuary, they'll need to get the lawyers involved and also the administrators when they're thinking about conversion. And also, most schemes won't be looking at conversion in isolation. They'll perhaps be comparing it as well with the other equalisation methods set out in the Lloyd's judgment or considered in Lloyd's and, and deciding between them, which is going to be most suitable for their scheme and the timing as well in terms of when they're going to introduce it. I think one of the big issues from a kind of legal perspective um, and perhaps that will cause some trustees concern would be the, the idea of perhaps winners and losers and perhaps some members essentially losing out as a result of, of, of conversion. And that's, that's certainly something that, that trustees would want need to understand and be comfortable with uh, if they go down that route. So will certain members lose out if their GMPs are converted? Well, that, that's a difficult question because a straight answer would, in my view, be, be misleading. So before I give you a straight answer, I want to set out a few points to consider. So if there is the possibility of being worse off, there should also be the possibility of being better off. So it's not just that members might lose out, members might also gain as well. And if we put GMP conversion to the side for the moment, if you think about a defined benefit scheme in general, some people will be better off and some people will be worse off. A clear example is if you live a long time, you get paid a pension for longer, so you're clearly better off. And it's by definition of a defined benefit pension scheme that some people will live longer and get more, some people won't live as long and get less. And so there's an argument that that's unfair. However, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have defined benefit schemes. If the aim of a company is to look after ex-employees and their spouses until they die, then the cost per individual will vary depending on how long each member lives. Is that wrong? Is that unfair? Should we abolish defined benefit for the sake of equality? Surely not. Turning back to GMP conversion, the impact of changes is likely to be small compared to the overall benefit. And so to answer the question, on average, members should not lose out because the terms for conversion should be fair. But that's on average looking at the membership as a whole. If you look at an individual level, yes, it is possible with the benefit of hindsight that some members will end up being better off or worse off than before the change although the extent of this is likely to be small. But I don't think this means we shouldn't do GMP conversion. There are lots of upsides, lots of advantages to to do it. What will be important is when you're picking your scheme-specific version of GMP conversion, is you should be considering the degree to which members could end up better or worse off and think through an approach that protects members from any large changes. So in conclusion, Yes, perhaps a little bit, but it's still worthwhile. And I think it's the best solution to GMP equalisation out there. And how does HMRC's recent guidance on GMP equalisation affect all of this? I think the guidance, to be honest, was pretty unhelpful or very unhelpful when it comes to conversion. Not only does it say, or HMRC effectively have said that they're, they're not addressing conversion at this point, 
um, the guidance then goes on to highlight to material potential risks with conversions. I think I think it's very unhelpful. I think it will make trustees nervous about going down the conversion route. Uh, it makes advising trustees, both from a legal and actuarial kind of standpoint, difficult um, in terms of giving them certainty over how it will affect members. So I, th- I think it does make it difficult. The other unfortunate thing is HMRC haven't said if they will actually issue guidance on conversion. They've said they'll explore the issues, but that's different to committing to issue guidance. Certainly hope that they will at some stage, but for the time being, it's probably going to delay things further. Yeah, but I'd agree with that in the context of conversion, the, the guidance makes things worse, not better. But in the context of equalisation in general, there were some good points and helpful points in the guidance and I would be very encouraging of, of HMRC to come forward and produce something similar for conversion and to be able to turn that around a lot quicker than, than, than the latest one that has been produced. And then finally, just looking at the market as a whole, are you aware of any schemes that have carried out conversion to date? Yeah, we're certainly seeing some schemes that are both moving towards it and some that are actually implementing or have recently implemented conversion. Um, tends to be in the context of a buyout. So where we're tending to see conversion happen at the moment is where trustees have a compelling reason to implement it. And I think that's that's probably going to continue to be the case. And as I say, because of the uncertainty that the uh, tax guidance creates, I, I think a lot of schemes, if there isn't a compelling reason to convert, will just adopt a wait-and-see approach. Um, so as I say, it's likely to lead to more delays in those cases, not less. Well, thank you both for discussing GMP conversion today. That brings us to the end of today's podcast. Many thanks to Tim and John, and I hope you enjoyed listening. Be sure to join us for future episodes by subscribing via the Herbert Smith Freehills channel on Spotify, iTunes or SoundCloud. I'd be delighted if you could share your thoughts too, as well as questions and feedback by emailing me at francesca.falcini at hsf.com.